Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Solana Valley Church. I am grateful to see each and every one of you here today. And to everyone who's tuning in online, good morning to you as well. I would like to invite all of you to stand with us. And we are going to... I pulled out a song that we haven't done in a long, long time. It's a favorite. And we used to do it a lot with our Celebrate Recovery ministry back in the day. And I just thought it would be a fun way to kick off this morning. So here we go. That's why we praise him. All right, let's sing, church. Why? Because he gave his everything. That's right. Because he gave. That's why. Oh, that's why we praise him. Yeah, that's why we sing. That's why we offer him everything. That's why we bow down and worship his king. 
Take a few moments to greet one another. And if you could just, the person that you speak with, just ask them, what are you praising God for today? What are you thankful for right now? I'm thankful to see Rudy Wilson. Myself. Hey. Rudy and Dolly, it is fantastic to have you back. That's what I'm thankful for right now. Take a few moments and we'll continue in just a second. Thanks.
All right, folks, let's make our way back to our seats. We're going to continue our worship right now. with us, God, I look to you. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom just what to do God I look to you sing it again God I look to you you won't be overwhelmed give me wishes to see things like you do God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. And you're just what to do. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. Yes, I will love you, Lord, my
God, I look to you. God, I look to you. I'm where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Father, we thank you so very much for being our help, for being our wisdom, for being our vision, for a life lived for you. We want to be used by you. We want to see things the way that you see them. We want to see people the way that we see them, the way that you see them. And so we look to you for help in those things and in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. doesn't make any sense. Are you really in control? Can you really be trusted? But it's important to recognize that God dwells um, in a different realm than you and I do. God said to Isaiah, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
And so when we pray, how vital is it that we pray armed with the knowledge that God is in heaven and that God is on his throne and that he has chosen to bend near and hear our prayers. It can feel or look like we are surrounded by these trials and these difficulties, but God surrounds that. He surrounds those trials and those difficulties, and he surrounds us. The Lord of heaven is on his throne, and he is in firm control of this universe, and he is in firm control of this church and of our lives. And so we fight our battles with prayer. We pray circles around those battles. We fight our battles with faith because if He is for us, who can be against us? Amen? And this is how I fight my battles. 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 One more time. It may look, yeah, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, yeah. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. And this is how, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles, oh, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles, one more time, this is how I fight my battles, 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 keep it going, this is how I fight my battles. seat everybody oh. um, what's that <laughs> I've been looking forward all week to doing that song I don't really know how to transition right now so I'm just gonna uh, just gonna go into it uh, boy 
No. You know, I will just say, uh, I will just say that I have been looking forward to, to us doing this one together because um, uh, I don't know about, you know, what you're dealing with uh, um, based upon the prayer requests we, we receive and just personal conversations that we have with you. You have a lot going on in your lives. And, and personally, uh, you know, I've been uh, kind of struggling with some anxiety about some different things. And, and I was reading just uh, yesterday in Philippians uh, where God says, be anxious for nothing. Really? Okay. <laughs> be anxious for nothing. But in all things, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, with a joyful heart, make your requests known to God. So that's our part. And what's his part? And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He wants to do that for us. We have to do our part, too. So we are going, uh, before Gary comes up to continue his series on the book of Exodus, we're going to worship God with our giving. And, um, you know, we call our giving worship because part of worshiping God is trusting him to provide for our needs. And giving is a way to give your heart over to God because you're reminding yourself that your security comes in Christ alone, right? Not in money, not in our, uh, you know, stock portfolio, but in Christ alone. There are five different ways that you can give. First of all, on our website at salonavalley.org forward slash giving. You can tap the give button on our SVC app. <clears throat> you can also send a check uh, to 1307 Oliver Road in Fairfield, 94534. You can text the word give to 707-883-3019. And if you're here in person, you can uh, place your offering in the silver mail slot that's in the wall behind the booth. I want to remind you what Jet Tenty said several a few months back to just shove the money down there. That's, do you remember him saying that? I thought that was hilarious. I still think about that sometimes when I'm driving, and I just, I just start laughing and smiling. Uh, honest, honest, honest. A uh, couple, couple things. Uh, so Coffee with a Pastor. Every Wednesday at a Journey at 4 o'clock, Gary and I are there and, and available to speak with you about anything uh, and everything under the sun. Uh, maybe it's something personally you're going through, or maybe it's... Um, you know, a ministry idea you'd like to share, or just you know, the Arkansas Razorbacks, whatever whatever comes to mind. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, you know, that's always a good topic, uh, especially up here in the Bay Area. No, but seriously, we would love to have you there at 4 o'clock, and uh, so please uh, join us for that if you've got the time. And then finally, our picnic in the park, uh, our next one will be at Laurel Creek Park, so we can walk to this one, family. Uh, Friday, August 19th from 5.30 to 7. Just a time to connect and hang out and uh, play some games and share a meal together and just create some uh, some connection with one another, one another. So I invite you to make plans to join us for that evening. That's Again, that's August 19th uh, at Laurel Creek Park. So Pastor Gary, I want to invite you up, and uh, he's going to continue a series on the book of Exodus. Will you welcome him, please? Guys, good to see y'all. Uh, I want to. Uh, uh, did y'all have a good, good Fourth of July celebration? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Yes. No. I, I see. I, I saw two nods. Two nods, uh, and the others are like, I don't celebrate the. Anyway, never mind. Uh, so you know, this week it was real interesting. Um, 
we, uh, Caleb and his wife, Jessica, they celebrated the 4th of July in Rwanda. Uh, the Failerts, you guys celebrated uh, the 4th in Hawaii, is that right? Awesome, fantastic. So, so Caleb and Jessica were in, uh, they were in Rwanda, they were celebrating the 4th there. And the 4th of July in Rwanda is their Freedom Day. Uh, it marks the end of the genocide that was there, you know, a few years back, a few decades back. Uh, but they actually have a celebration. And the place where they're staying, they were staying with some friends, a missionary couple there is close to a mass grave, kind of like a, almost like a Holocaust site. So it's like they were celebrating the 4th in Rwanda. Uh, Cass uh, and her boyfriend, Sean, uh, for the 4th, what they did was they climbed up on a mountain looking down on Donner Lake and watch the fireworks below. So they were above the fireworks looking down. So that's what they did. Faithy, we talked to Faithy last night. We got to FaceTime her for a little bit. And uh, she celebrated uh, She celebrated the, the fourth with some a friend of hers. Uh, her parents were hosting like a big party. They had like a live band. Uh, they went out tubing on this lake, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but they celebrated the, the fourth that way. Joy and I celebrated the fourth by watching the Sandlot. Okay, so any of y'all seen the Sandlot? Okay, it is the greatest baseball movie of all time. Okay, uh, but it's just kind of funny is the way that Joy and I celebrate the fourth, and the way our kids celebrate the fourth. Little little difference. We're, we're not climbing mountains. We're not we're not going to Africa. We're not we're not tubing on a lake. Uh, and stuff like that. So, a um, you know, with the fourth, uh, you know, we're, we're celebrating the freedom of our nation. And really, the book of Exodus is a celebration of freedom. Okay? It tells the story. See, when we read through the book of Genesis, understand that the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's called the Pentateuch, which means five books. And it's literally, literally all written by Moses. And it was written for the nation of Israel uh, about the time that they were coming out of Egypt and then the 40 years after they left Egypt. And it, uh, it's really not five different books. It's more like five volumes of one book, one story. But each part has a different emphasis. So it's kind of like, just think of the Lord of the Rings or, I don't know, uh, younger generation, Harry Potter. Uh, but you have, like in the Lord of the Rings, it's three volumes, but it's really one story. And that's kind of the way, and then Harry Potter, how many volumes are Is it eight? Seven. Uh, seven volumes, but it's really kind of like one story. And uh, so it's like, uh, and that's really kind of the way the Pentateuch is. But the, the, the book of Exodus tells us a story about how God liberates his people. And so we've been looking at, uh, we've been looking, uh, going through, looking at the plagues that God brought uh, against Egypt. And uh, we're currently in Exodus chapter 10. So uh, real quick, let me just, uh, let me just, um, let me pray for us. Uh, then I want to dig into the text together. Does that sound good? All right, let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are the creator of all things. Uh, and you are the liberator of your people. God, you liberated your people out from under the bondage of Egypt. And Lord, you liberate us through the Lord Jesus Christ from our bondage to sin. And so we just want to say a great big thank you. And uh, today, uh, my prayer is that you would help me to be clear. 
that you would help me to be true to Scripture, that you would help me to preach with grace uh, and kindness uh, and with just uh, help me to be a servant. Help me to be a servant. Help me to get out of the way and let your word speak to us uh, and then look at how your word still has application for us in our world today. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. So as we look at Exodus chapter 10, just one thing I want you to keep in mind is that you are loved dearly by God. Okay? I just want you to understand that God truly loves you. He really cherishes you. You are special to God. And God has created you for a purpose, the same way God did for the nation of Israel. You are dearly, dearly loved. But sometimes, even though we're loved by God, it doesn't mean that we're spared from going through times of adversity. And the nation of Israel had been in great adversity. For 400 years, they had served as slaves to Egypt uh, under a cruel uh, yoke of slavery. And so God raised up. The the people cried out to God. The Bible says to us in in Exodus chapter 1 that God heard the cry of his people. He saw their suffering. He remembered his covenant he made with them. And then God raises up. Uh, a deliverer that he's going to send, uh, the person of Moses. So in, in Exodus chapter 10, that's where we're at. Uh, I'm calling this the battle of the gods because we've been seeing how Israel, uh, we've been seeing how uh, the God of Israel is fighting against the gods of Egypt, showing that they are not true gods at all, and showing how um, the Lord is the one true God. Uh, Exodus chapter 10, verse 1, it begins like this. It says this. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials, so that I may perform these signs of mine, uh, so that I may perform these signs of mine among them, that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed many signs among them and that you may know that I am the Lord. I want to just pause here for a moment, okay? So as we've been reading through the the book of Exodus and as we've been looking at Exodus together, the Bible tells us that that, that Pharaoh hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. Seven different times the Bible tells us that Pharaoh hardened his heart. But beginning in chapter 9 and more intensely in chapter 10, we start seeing that now it's the Lord who has hardened Pharaoh's heart. And part of what we've been saying in this is this, is that God never hardens a person's heart against their will. He only hardens a person's heart according to their will. And what I mean by that is when we stubbornly refuse to listen to the message of God, okay? And some people stubbornly ref- refuse to listen to the, the, the message of God in a defiant way. That's kind of what we see in Pharaoh. But sometimes people stubbornly refuse to listen to the message of God in a more passive way. They do not have eyes to see. They do not have ears to hear. They do not have hearts to understand. And this is why it is so important that we are attentive to the Word of God. Uh, in, this, uh, in these first few verses, uh, we're, we're kind of given a new reason why the Lord is doing all of this. 
And the part of the reason why the Lord is doing this is so that Moses, his generation, may tell their children and their grandchildren how he dealt harshly with the Egyptians, performed many signs so that they might know that God is the Lord, the Lord is God. Okay, this is very instructive. This wasn't just instructive for them then. This is instructive for us now. In verse 3, the Bible says, So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so they cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hell, including every tree that's growing in your fields. They will fill your houses and those of all your officials and all the Egyptians, something neither your parents nor your ancestors have ever seen from the day that they settled in this land till now. Then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. So what God is saying to Moses is he is speaking through Moses to Pharaoh on behalf of Israel. And he is saying to Pharaoh, how long? How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? And and I'm 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 not sure how to say this, so I'm probably not going to say it real well. But when we refuse to humble ourselves before God, when a nation... I don't care if it's Egypt. I don't care if it's Israel. Israel refused to humble themselves before God. You know what God did? He brought judgment on them. I don't care if we're talking about the United States of America. There comes a point in time when a people refuses to humble themselves before the Lord and judgment comes. Oftentimes, there are a series of many judgments. You know, it's interesting to me that one of the judgments we see oftentimes in the Scriptures is the judgment of drought. Something that the Western United States has been struggling with for a very long time. And what I'm telling you is you can point to natural causes, and you can talk about global warming, and you can talk about man's part in global warming, and I believe he does have a part in it. But ultimately, I think God's trying to get our attention. You can look at the hurricanes on the East Coast, drought on the West Coast. I believe that God is, I believe the alarm's going off. The question is, are we going to wake up? Okay? Will we humble ourselves before God or will we resist the Lord? Which is exactly, exactly what Pharaoh and his officials were doing. It's very, very interesting. Is that, you know, even today, you know, the, the locust plague. You know, talks about just bringing in massive destruction. I've actually watched videos of locust plagues. They, they are awesome in a really, really bad way. Uh, you, they, they, they sometimes will be so thick, they will have columns that go up hundreds of feet, miles wide, uh, that where it will actually blot out the sun. Uh, they will go through, and we know in history, and even in, in, in recent history, in modern times, you can see a locust plague move into an area and it will completely destroy the food stores of a people, of a city, of a nation, in a matter of just hours. They can go through and just completely devastate uh, a nation or a city. We don't see it as much here. Uh, you see it more in places like in Africa, parts of Asia. Uh, and this is what 
happened in Egypt. The thing is, though, this was not just a naturalistic thing, something that happened naturally. It was something that God did in a supernatural way because he predicts the timing tomorrow. And it, it was the worst, worst locust plague ever in the history of Egypt. Verse 7. Pharaoh's official said to him, how long? By the way, who said how long earlier? Yeah, Moses speaking on behalf of the Lord. How long, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? At this point in time, understand that under a tyrant, it's very, it's not very wise to question him. It's not very wise to oppose a tyrant. Uh, and so I want you to notice how what, what Pharaoh's officials do is they say, how long? Okay, same thing. How long will this man be a snare to us? So they take the focus off Pharaoh, pay a little deference to Pharaoh. But it's still, you can begin to see here in exasperation in the officials. How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. By the way, does this sound familiar? Isn't that exactly what the Lord has been saying all this time? Seven different times. Seven different times leading up to this moment. Seven different times. God has said, let my people go. In six of those seven times, the Lord has said, let my people go so that they may worship me. They belong to me. They are to worship and serve me. They are not to worship and serve you. They are my people. By the way, you know what my people means? My people. All right? So that they may worship the Lord their God. Do, and, and his officials say, do you not realize that Egypt is ruined? They're saying, hello? Wake up, Pharaoh. Smell the coffee. Okay? Egypt is ruined. It is ruined. By the way. Beware of a leader who is willing to ruin a nation in the pursuit of power and in clinging to power. I believe that's a very real principle. Then Moses and Aaron, verse 8, were brought back to Pharaoh. They said, go worship the Lord your God. But tell me who will be going. Now, wait a second. What has Moses been saying all this time? My people. You know what my people means? It means my people. The Hebrew word here is, is, is ami. Okay, this is important. This is important. You'll understand why it's important in just a minute. It's ami. What that means is it means people. It means men. It means women. It means young. It means old. It means people. My people. Repeatedly, repeatedly. Uh, that they, they, uh, God has said this. Uh, in in what, what Moses says, go worship the Lord your God. He said, but tell me who will be going with you. So Moses answered, we will go. We, meaning uh, our young and our old, our sons and our daughters, our flocks and our herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh. You have to understand uh, this about about Pharaoh. Um, see, Pharaoh grew up believing that he was sired 
by God. Pharaoh grew up believing that he was the incarnation of Ra, the greatest God in the Egyptian pantheon of gods. He grew up his whole life thinking he was a God. Now, when you believe that you are superior to every other human being around you, if you grow up believing that others around you are like insects to be walked on, that doesn't make a person to become a very good ruler. Okay? So when Moses says, we're going to go, meaning young, old, sons, daughters, men, women, uh, herds, flocks, the Bible says here, Pharaoh said, yeah, the Lord be with you. Yeah, absolutely. The Lord be with you if I let you go along with your women and children. Clearly, you are bent on evil. Now, when you're reading through the book of Exodus, who's the one who's clearly bent on evil? It's Pharaoh. Okay? It's Pharaoh. It's not Moses. It's Pharaoh. Clearly, you are bent on evil. He is seeing his evil in another person. Pharaoh was a psychological mess. I can't tell you. Anyway, clearly you are bent on evil. Um, no, have only the men go, Geborim. Okay? Geborim. Remember we said people, Ami? Pharaoh says, Geborim. He says, Geborim. He says, no, have only the men, the Geborim go and worship the Lord since that's what you've been asking for. At what point does Moses ever ask for the Gabarim to go? Never. Not a single time. Seven times he has said, let my people go. On me. Meaning men, women, young, old, sons, daughters, everybody. But what Pharaoh does is he tries to twist words. Beware of word wranglers. Um, have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over Egypt so that locusts swarm over the land and devour everything growing in the fields, everything left by the hell. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt. The Lord made an east wind blow across the land. All that day, all that night, by morning, the wind had brought the locust. By the way, are you familiar with the term Sirocco? That's what we're talking about. It's a Sirocco. It's a hot wind. It's blowing from the Arabian Peninsula towards Egypt, driving these locusts in. Where am I at? <laughs> 12, 13. Okay. Um, thank you, little tweet. Uh, so, so Moses stretched out his hand, staff over Egypt, the uh, Lord made the east wind blow across the land all that day, all that night. By morning, the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all Egypt, settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a, a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hell, everything growing in the fields and the fruit on the trees. Nothing green remained on tree or plant in all the land of Egypt. It was destroyed. By the way, you know, the next time we're going to read about these kinds of... Actually, it's not the next time. 
because we see it in Joel, we see it in, in some of the minor prophets and the other prophets towards the end of the Old Testament. But the Bible speaks of a future time when we're going to see something like a locust plague. We're going to see something like uh, a hailstorm, like the world has never seen. We're going to see a time when seas will be turned to blood, rivers turned to blood. Almost everything we're seeing in Egypt in the future. It'll be the great day of the Lord, the day of the Lord's coming. Nothing green remained on tree or plant in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to the Lord your God to take this deadly plague away from me. The scripture says Moses then left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord changed the wind to a very strong west wind, which caught up the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. Not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go. Second time we see here in this chapter where God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Okay? Not against Pharaoh's will, but according to Pharaoh's will. Pharaoh is not truly confessing his sin. He is not truly repenting of his sin. Asking for forgiveness and asking God to take away the consequences of our sin is not the same as repentance. Repentance is when we're brokenhearted over our sin. We're not just seeking God to relieve our suffering. We are seeking God. We're not just seeking God to relieve our suffering. We are seeking God. That's something this nation needs. This nation needs to learn how to repent. This nation needs to learn how to humble. We we as individuals have to learn how to repent. To live in a place of repentance day by day. To every day surrender, fully surrender to the purpose of God. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to follow me, they must deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. It's a lifestyle of daily surrender and repentance in following Jesus. Uh, Verse 21, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so darkness spreads over Egypt. We've got the ninth plague here, a plague of darkness. Uh, The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. This is a really bad darkness. Darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, toward uh, in total darkness, covered all Egypt for three days. By the way, when Jesus was on the cross, darkness, darkness for three hours. When we get to Revelation, darkness, more darkness. Verse 23, no one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites, oh, yet. It's an important word. It's a word of contrast. Whenever you see yet, whenever you see but, (laughs) okay, but V-U-T, okay? (laughs) Whenever you see those words, you should stop and look and see the contrast, okay? Yet, yet, all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. See, God makes a distinction between his covenant people and the people of darkness, the people of this world. 
Then Pharaoh summoned Moses, said to him, Go worship the Lord, even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. Now this is, again, this is what I want you to understand, is that people who are narcissistic, people who use psychological manipulation, people who use deception, um, people who try to bargain with God. Oh, you can go, just don't go very far. Oh, your men can go, but the women and children can't. Oh, you can go, but you have to leave your herds behind. This is what Pharaoh's doing. Okay? He's bargaining. He doesn't want to give up power and authority. He wants to cling to power. But Moses said, you must allow us. You must. This is not a request. He's not saying, please, may we have permission. He is saying, you must. You must. He's putting his foot down. You must, you must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We're not going to leave you a single sheep. We're not going to leave you a single cow. We're not going to leave you anything. Everything goes with us, period. We have to use them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But everything goes with us. This is not, this is not up for negotiation. You're not, in, you're not one up on us here, okay, in terms of power. We have a power who's demonstrated his power over you again and again and again. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight. Make sure that you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. Chapter 11 really is a continuation of chapter 10. I was going to try to do 11 today, but I'm not. It's almost 11, okay? Let's 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 land this this plane. Can we do that? So let's talk real quick about this. Some life points, life points. First one, I've been saying this again and again. By the way, by the way, when things are repeated in the scriptures, it may feel redundant for us, but we must pay attention. When I keep telling you this again and again, it's because the Bible keeps telling us again and again. And I have to tell you what the Bible says. What I'm going to say is do not harden your heart to the message of God. Do not harden your heart to the message of God. Seven different times, seven different times, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then God hardens his heart. God hardens his heart. God hardens his heart. His end is sealed. There are people who sometimes put off following Jesus. Do not harden your heart to the message of God. Number two, number two, teach your children and grandchildren. I know some of you are grandparents and you're thinking, well, you know, I've already raised my kids. I'm done. Uh Uh-uh. No. No, you're not. You're not done. No, no, no. Teach your children and grandchildren the mighty works of God. Why? 
so that they will know the Lord and believe in the Lord. You know, the Lord says to, 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 to Moses, I've done these things that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them and that you may know that I am the Lord. The reason I've done this is so that you will know that I am the Lord. The reason you are to instruct your children and your grandchildren is so that they may know the Lord. We have a responsibility to our children, our grandchildren, and not just our children and our grandchildren, the friends of our children and grandchildren, the young people who live among us. We have a responsibility. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, 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 love, I love how, uh, you know, in, uh, when Paul was writing to Timothy under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and, and he... And, 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 Paul writes, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is the word of God. These are the words of Paul, but it is the word of God. And and Paul writes this, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, talking about Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. By the way, why is there no father or grandfather here? Most likely, most likely, most Bible teacher scholars that I have read on this subject, most of them agree that it's probably because Timothy's father and grandfather were both Greeks, were both, um, they were uh, sort of pagan gods. Uh, it was not uncommon for uh, a Jew to be, in their uh, context, to be married to uh, a non-Jew. But, but, you know, what we see here is we see these, this, this grandmother and mother instructing Timothy a young man as a child who would one day grow up to be a pastor, a pastor of a church in Ephesus. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and, and strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Taking your kids to church is a good thing. Teaching them in every life situation is what God wants. See, it's not just Sunday only. It's every day. It's not just one moment in the day. It's throughout the day. When you rise, when you lay down to sleep, when you're on the road, when you're at home, everywhere you go is an opportunity to teach our children, our grandchildren, the Word of God. So teach your children, grandchildren, the mighty works of God so that they may know and believe in the Lord. Number three, don't vote for Pharaohs. Don't vote for Pharaohs. You say, Gary, where's that in the Bible? Well, it's not here, okay? Let me explain to you what I mean by this, all right? Uh, I actually agree with John Stott. Uh, I, John Stott was uh, one of the greatest thinkers of the 20th century. Uh, he was uh, a British theologian, uh, evangelist, uh, and uh, author of many, many books. And, uh, but Stott, um, he, in writing about human government, he said, you know, you have these extremes of totalitarianism and of uh, anarchy. Anarchy is not good, okay? When everybody does what's right in their own eyes, it only leads to cruelty and violence, okay? Anarchy is not good. Totalitarianism, might be a little bit better depending upon who the, you know, depending upon who the dictator is. 
There are better dictators. There are worse dictators. Uh, but it's a little bit better than anarchy in some cases. But I think, I think, according to the scriptures, the Bible doesn't teach the practice of democracy. You don't see it anywhere in the Bible. But I actually think uh, when you look at humanity and you look at the overall teaching of Scripture, I believe that probably democracy is the best form of human government. Now, understand this. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's a kingdom, okay? But we're going to have a perfect king, so that's okay. In this world, you don't typically have a perfect king, so I think democracy is the preferred approach. So why am I saying don't vote for Pharaohs? Let me explain this if I can, please. I think sometimes, particularly in America, I think sometimes we think, oh, we could never lose our democracy. And what you need to understand is I was a history major, history major. I've done a little bit of reading on this. I know a little bit about this. Uh, There are other people who know a lot more about it than I do, but I've read a few articles on this. And by articles, I'm not talking about like, you know, Newsweek or, you know, Time or something like that. I'm talking about scholarly articles that are written by professors at places like Georgetown, elsewhere, okay? So uh, over the last hundred years, we have seen several democracies turn into dictatorships, okay? This has happened. This has happened many times. Uh, it has happened in Poland, happened in Germany, happened in Austria, uh, ha- happened in Venezuela more recently, has happened in Egypt, has happened in a lot of different countries. In some cases, they became dictatorships. They were democracies that became dictatorships and then later became democracies again, but sometimes they didn't, okay? Typically, when a nation goes from democracy to dictatorship, usually there is a um, great polarization in the nation where you've got the right and the left and you have intense, uh, sometimes um, uh, just a, a despising one another. When it gets agitated to the point of violence, when it gets agitated to the point of violence, okay, that's when things go awry, all right? This is something that historically is pretty consistent. So, uh, and usually it happens in a time of crisis that is either fabricated by the person seizing power or sometimes real, okay? But it can be all kinds of things, okay? This is not just, uh, sometimes I think Americans imagine that we are better than other people. I think sometimes we imagine that. And the Bible says we're all sinners. By the way, a, a Chinese Christian is a brother in Jesus. A Russian Christian is a brother in Jesus. You know, an Iranian. An Iraqi, a North Korean Christian, these are brothers and sisters in Jesus. Um, a violent American is just violent. Okay? Um, we, we need to recognize that violence resides in the human heart. Uh, you see it all throughout the scriptures. Don't vote for Pharaohs. What am I saying here? Okay? Pharaoh was a megalomaniac. Okay? He was. Just going to say he was a megalomaniac. He craved power and was clinging to power while it ruined his nation. He craved power and was clinging to power while it ruined his nation. He was narcissistic. He used 
deception to manipulate people. He blatantly lied and told the same lie again and again. He tried to control Moses and others through psychological manipulation. He was evil. He was wicked. He was unfit for any kind of leadership. I don't usually tell you how to vote. But today I'm going to tell you how to vote. Never vote for a man or woman like that. Okay? Otherwise, you may find your children and your grandchildren serving a Pharaoh. So let me tell you how to vote. Don't vote for a Pharaoh. Vote for Moses. Moses was, for the most part, pretty cool-headed. We do see him get angry. We'll see him get angry next week. But mostly cool-headed, and God had his ear. Okay? So if you want to know who to vote for, vote for Moses. All right? Uh, Number four. This is in the scriptures. Okay? That was just a little Gary tirade. Uh, we are to live in the light, not in darkness. You know, I, I just think it's really interesting as you're reading through this and you see the distinction between the covenant people of God and the people of Egypt. The covenant people of God and the people of this world. See, the Egyptians were living in darkness. Did you, you remember we talked about that? There was a great darkness, a darkness that you could feel. They were living in darkness. But the Bible tells us about the... Um, about the Israelites, it says, yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. They lived in the light. Whoops, excuse me. They lived in the light. They lived in the light. I, I believe, I believe, um, I believe the contrast of physical light and darkness in this passage reflects the spiritual light and darkness in the spiritual realm. I think the spiritual realm that was existing then, and I believe in, in the, the, the spiritual realm that we live in today. That God makes a distinction between his people, his covenant people, and the people of the world. While the world walks in darkness, we are to walk in the light. The Bible says this, for he, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Jesus said, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The Bible says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And when instructing the Thessalonians about the day of the Lord, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the word of God, Paul writes this to the Thessalonians. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day, the day of the Lord, that this day should take you, uh, surprise you like a thief. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but, but let us be awake and sober. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. It is very important, very, very important that we do not walk in darkness because we are children of the light and children of the day. Let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that they contain. Lord, you are our deliverer.
God, you are the one who fights our battles for us. Lord, help us. Help us to be a people who walk in the light. Help us to be the light of the world, to let our light shine in such a way that others see our good works and glorify you, our God in heaven. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. How I fight my battles. This is 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 how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yes, I am. It looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. 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 Surround you and he is for you. You keep that in mind every moment of every day this coming week. Have a great week.